0: A Reading from the Letter to the Hebrews By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient. Because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. The word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. It is great to be here uh, with you again. Um, Open up with me if you haven't already Hebrews 11. We've heard it read
2: already, but we will like to revisit it.
1: So life for me recently has been um, a a whirlwind of sorts. Um, I could say a joyful whirlwind of sorts. Uh, Almost four weeks ago, um, my wife and I, we welcomed and met our baby girl, Victory Buchanan, into the world. And she has already changed our house. Um, she's changed the house. We call her Boss Baby, and um, the adjustment is real. So, so again, keep praying for the preacher this morning. The the adjustment is real. Um, the last time I was also here, um, Father Aaron uh, mentioned that uh, our church, Family Church, as well as nonprofit Exodus Projects, was um eyeing a, a property. Uh, we have. Uh, since just in the last few weeks, taking possession of that property. Um, amen. Man. And now our faith journey begins with it as we need to uh, raise the funds to complete the per- purchase of that property. But it's all good. That's why we're studying the Hall of Faith uh, today. Uh, so we're looking at Hebrews eleven twenty three. 23. Um, I want to jump in, uh, invite you guys to be praying for us again got babies and buildings going on uh and so we just got to keep believing as, as as we go go along uh so thank you for your prayers and your support hey let me breathe the word of prayer again and we'll jump in father it is good to be in your house it's good to be with my brothers and my sisters the family of God and father it's good for us to be in your word um as Peter said it is good for us to be here father I pray that as we open your scriptures, that, Father, you will open our hearts. Uh, Father, would you please breathe on this meager manuscript? I pray, Lord, that you would give me the energy that's necessary to be your instrument and your tool this morning. Holy Spirit, we need you to speak to us um, clearly and profoundly. So hide me and move me out of the way. And, Lord, may you be exalted and may you be lifted. May your people be edified. Father, we come today hungry, and with great expectation and anticipation to meet you in the preaching and the proclamation of your word. So, Father, we thank you uh, for hearing and answering our prayers. We give you glory and honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just read a little bit of this text again. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. Because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. I thought for a little while about what I should title this text, and I'm not that big into titles, but if I was to title this text, I would title it Risky Faith. Risky Faith. That was a story that I recently revisited that I thought was appropriate to share with you this morning as we think about risky Faith. In a trial, in a southern small town, a prosecuting attorney called his first witness, a grandmotherly, elderly woman, to the stand. He approached her and he asked, "Miss Jones, do you know me? She responded, why, yes, I do know you. Since you were a little boy and, frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie, you cheat on your wife, and you manipulate people and talk about them behind their backs you think you're a big shot and when you haven't the brains to realize you'll never amount to anything more than a two-bit paper pusher yes i know you the lawyer was stunned not knowing what else to do he pointed across the room and asked mr jones mrs jones do you know the defense attorney she replied why yes i do I've known Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster. He's lazy, bigoted, and he has a drinking problem. He can't build a normal relationship with anyone. And his law practice is one of the worst in the entire state. Not to mention, he cheated on his wife with three different women. And one of them was your wife. Yes, I know him. The defense attorney nearly died. The judge hurried and asked both attorneys to approach the bitch and in a quiet voice said, If either of you idiots ask her if she knows me, I will send you both to the electric chair. Well, I want to ask you, who do you know? Well, maybe not who do you know? Maybe what do you know? Maybe to narrow in the question. Do you know faith? Or what do you know about faith? As you guys have been in this sermon series, I know you've been learning about faith. But when I look at the verses that have been assigned to me, the question seems to surface, what do you know about faith? Come on, do me a favor, help me preach. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what do you know about faith? Well, it seems like I took y'all off, caught y'all off guard on that one. Come on, look at your other neighbor, ask your other neighbor. Come on, say it with some conviction. Say, neighbor, what do you know about faith? Faith is such a common word in our culture, isn't it? It, it, it appears to me that the word faith has been watered down. It can almost feel insignificant in our conversations, it almost can feel cliche. It appears that, that that we use faith too often and really without any real significance. In, in our culture, when we think about faith, it, it is something that is for our heads and not for our hands and for our feet. But that's not what the Bible teaches us at all. Faith is one of the most important virtues we can possess. Remember, it was Adam and Eve's lack of faith that ushered sin into the world. They believe the serpent over God. And and, and it is actually our faith in God that reverses the curse. We know it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. It is important for us to know faith. It's important for us to understand faith. And that is the blessing of Hebrews 11. And I believe our text today, these few verses, lend to us at least four thoughts in relation to the question, what do we know about faith? So I want to drop these like my friend says, but not push them this morning. What do we know about faith? The first thing we know about faith is this. Faith pushes us past our fears. Faith pushes us past our fears. I believe we see this in verse 23. Moses, by faith when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Your imagination has to be evoked while reading this traumatic and dramatic scene of this Hebrew genocide. Pharaoh has decreed that all baby boys are to be cast in the Nile River. This scene is too cruel to imagine, but it is necessary for us to understand Stand the evil of the moment. Can you imagine the depression that was spreading like the plague? Mothers and grandmothers are wailing. Parents are questioning themselves, trying to find a way to justify their actions by casting their babies in the sea. Are sea preachers feasting? And I wonder, I wonder, is there a stench in the air? Moses' parents could not allow the fear of the king's eating to lead them to terminate their baby. It was obvious he was beautiful. He was wonderful and fearfully made that, that, that surely every good and perfect gift comes from the father above and children are a gift from God. This thing that they were asked to do was evil and it was against the Promises of God, the promise that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob, that their descendants would be as the sand of the sea, as the stars in the sky. Moses' parents believed that this was not God's will, that this was not not God's way. They believed that somehow and some way God would intervene. They believed, they expected that God would show up and he would show out in their helpless situation. When I think about faith, I really like the concept that faith is expecting God's word to come to pass. Faith is expecting the character of God that has been revealed in the scriptures, that has been manifested to us to be true of him. And when I think about fear, someone once said that fear is false evidence, pure and real. Faith and fear, they are opposite, but they are so much alike. We often fear something that we are not even certain if it is real. Our fears are filled with assumptions and expectations. I often think that one of the things that we fear the most is tomorrow, which is ridiculous because tomorrow never arrives. We, We can be so fearful of tomorrow. That we can't eat, that we can't sleep, that our, our, our heads are hurting, our, 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 our bodies are, are sick, all because of something that is not even promised to us and, and a time that is not coming. All we have is today, and we can be so fearful about tomorrow that we can't enjoy today. That's why Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer that we should pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread. See, Moses' parents found themselves in the valley of decisions. They had to choose between faith or fear. Maybe you're here today and you have some real scenarios that is really threatening your comfort, your livelihood, and maybe even your peace And you're figuring if you give in to your fears, that that life would be easy. Well, let me tell you that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us love, power, and a sound mind. God doesn't want us to live by the depressive emotive of fear, but he will have us to live this victorious, adrenaline kind of life of faith. What we know about faith is that faith pushes us past our fears. But we also see that faith leads us to our calling. Look at verse 24 through 27. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeing pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt but he was looking to the reward. Faith leads us to our calling. Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This seemed to be a risky position. Here we see that Moses chose to identify with the people of God instead of the people of Pharaoh. He was willing to embrace poverty and being associated with wealth. How did this happen? How is it that he came to this conclusion and this position in his life? Well, the Bible teaches us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I would imagine that Moses' mother and his family would have told him about the Hebrews, about their past, and about how God had been working and moving in the lives of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Moses not only heard about the traditions of his ancestor, but he's all he also believed. See, our faith, it is personal, but it can't help but to become public. And that's so good, I ought to say it again, that our faith, it is personal, but it can't help but to become public. Our faith is like a seed that is planted in the soil of our hearts and eventually it bears fruit for all the world to see. Faith is risky. Watch this. It comes with great reward. Our faith is not just for our minds, it is for our hands and our feet. What the scripture is showing us is that Moses' faith was accompanied with actions. We can see his faith by looking at his works. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He'd rather be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He chose the reproach of Christ and he left Egypt. We can see the sacrifice of Moses and his sacrifice is motivated by his faith. See, faith calls us out. It it, it demands that we come out from the world and be separate. Our, our, Our faith makes us unique, doesn't it? Because we are trusting in a God who is unique. Our faith can make us strange because we are believing in something that we can't see. Our faith can make us appear to be crazy because we take risks that go beyond what the rules of common sense. Our faith is dynamic because we believe that the suffering for Christ brings great reward for us personally and relationally. And it could be that that, that you're here today and you find yourself Really, really struggling with faith because what, what what God seems to be calling you to is irritating. It's 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 risky. It, it involves suffering, and and really the reality is that you'd rather be comfortable, but but faith has a way of of shaping us. It, it seems to always be. Pushing us and calling us to become what what God has for us. And and the very thing that that, that may be interrupting your life may be the very thing that God is using to shape your life. Ever thought about pearls? Where they come from? Do they grow on trees? Can they be found under the earth? No, no, listen, pearls come from living creatures, oysters, rare, gorgeous, round jewels that are not found under the sea, but inside the oyster. How is the pearl produced? This, a foreign particle, like sand, gets into the oyster. And when the sand enters the oyster, it is a painful experience for the oyster. Because it irritates the soft part of it. And it is unable to push the sand particle out of the shell. Hence the sand remains inside the oyster. And then a biological process happens within the oyster and it becomes a pearl. Who would have ever thought that out of a rough, broken, coarse-looking shell, as it appears on the outside, That the suffering of this soft oyster, that the glistening loveliness and preciousness of a pearl will come forth. Because sometimes that's what God does. That that by faith God may, may, may cause irritation and suffering and discomfort because God is shaping something beautiful and something precious in us and on us because he wants to work through us. We must remember that even faith, even faith, it is a gift from God. It it, it is is that saying that, that God puts in our life. It is that seed that is meant to shape us to something beautiful. But friends, it is not just for ourselves. It is for the world around us. We know that the faith, it pushes us past our fears it will push us to our calling. But also when we look at verse 28 to 29, it pushes us to live obediently. Someone once said that the acronym for the Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. I I love that acronym. It it is is a great way to describe the Bible. It speaks to to the fact that the Bible is filled with instructions from God for us to follow. And these instructions not only benefit us personally, but they have corporate benefits. Moses received some ridiculous instructions from God. And, and, and Hebrews here wants us to understand that these were instructions that required faith for him to fulfill them. Look what it says in verse 28 and 29. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn may not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. God gave Moses these detailed instructions on what to say. These detailed instructions on what to do. And his exact, execution of God's command will lead to the saving of many lives. And this happened at the Passover and it happens at the Red Sea. And there's so much to say about this, but I believe the point that I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to get is that all all that our faithful obedience is not just for us, but it is for others. Our faith is not only a blessing for us, But it is a blessing for the world around us. And it is impossible for me not to read this and somehow to deviate to talk about the significance of Passover and the significance of obedience. Because when we are reading this, we understand that all of this whole moment is pointing to a future moment. It is pointing to a beautiful moment. It is pointing to one who is absolutely perfect. One, 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 one who, who absolutely had no faults and no blemishes. See, Moses had to find a, a lamb without spot or wrinkle, but that was a lamb that was born. And he was born and he had no spot. and He had no wrinkle. He had no sin in his life. And he himself became our Passover lamb. His blood was shed. It was sprinkled. It has been sprinkled on us.
2: This obedient Savior gave
1: his life that we may have life. The faith of Moses was to believe that the blood over the doorposts will save the lives of his Family, in 2023, we must believe that the blood of Jesus, perfect, sinless lamb, was saved. We must believe as such that that we that we carry this this glorious, wonderful gospel truth to men and women and boys and girls. No matter if we feel they will accept it or reject it. We preach it and we proclaim it and we teach it and we share it in faith.
2: Moses
1: was obedient. To institute the Passover, he was obedient and and listening to the Father by by, by raising the rod that the Red Sea
2: may part. He was faithful. Moses had instructions
1: that he needed to follow. Jesus followed God's instructions to the T. Some of us may struggle with God's instructions. We may struggle with God's
2: direction.
1: Those that we receive from the scripture, as we read the Bible, and those that the Holy Spirit may share with us. Sometimes we struggle with God's instruction and God's direction simply because. We don't understand it. It it, it doesn't make sense to us. I'm sure for Moses slaughtering a lamb and putting blood over the doorpost of people's houses, it didn't make sense to him how that was going to save them. It didn't make sense that he raised the rod that, that a red sea would part. Can I tell you that being obedient to God's command doesn't have to make sense. Following his instructions and direction doesn't have to make sense to us. Come on, don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know, when you tell your kids to do something, they don't have to understand what you're telling them. They just need to do it. And sometimes we get so sensitive is that because we don't understand it or because we don't like it, we don't want to follow through with it. You don't have to like God's commands in order to follow his commands. Obedience is better than sacrifice. But because we believe that God is all power, we believe that God is all-knowing, we believe that God is a good God all the time, we follow his commands. We follow his instructions, and we allow faith to push into obedience. What do we know about faith? It pushes us past fear, leads us to our calling, pushes us to obedience. Lastly, faith pushes us to act, to act. Verses 30 31, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. After they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. These verses have shown us again that faith pushes us past our fears, that faith pushes us into our calling. Faith leads us to obedience. And lastly, faith causes us to act. Actions of faith not only changes us. But it changes the world around us. Notice he starts with Moses in these verses, and then he ends with Rahab. Notice he starts with Moses and then he ends with Rahab. Moses' journey of faith has become contagious. It is gone to one people, to another group of people that are practicing now ridiculous. Faith, they are following the commands of God. They 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 take on the risk of marching around a city that is not theirs, but they are believing that God one day will give it to them. They are not focused on the risk, but on the reward. And this is true of Rahab. She heard of the God of Israel and the faith of Israel, and she too wants to benefit from the reward. And people of faith live by faith. People who don't know faith become jealous of our faith. And that's what we should long for, that that those people of faith that they have this ridiculous and crazy ideas that we want those ideas. We we, we want that lifestyle. We want that joy. We want that peace. We want that power. We want that kind of relationship. I'll hide the spies. She's a prostitute with a house. Successful businesswoman. That's all I'll say. she wants... The reward children of faith had. Eh. I'm almost done. I'll take my seats when I say this. The old lady in the courtroom was telling everyone's story and testimony. And here in Hebrews eleven, we are reading testimony of what would appear to be ordinary people who radically and ridiculously believed God. They didn't understand everything about God. They probably wouldn't have passed the theological test. They didn't have it all figured out. They believed they was willing to take the risk because they believed, watch this, really that God was their reward. And here we are reading about their stories of faith. And I, and, I, and I love that we can read about their stories of faith because they are our spiritual ancestors and we get encouragement and we, we are challenged and we are inspired and, and hopefully we, we are charged up as the people of God to say, we want to take risks for God. But when people read your story,
2: what will your story be full of?
1: Will it be filled with excuses? Will it be filled with hesitations? Will it be filled with doubt? Will it be filled with with fear? Or could we actually write on your tombstone?
2: She was a woman of faith.
1: He was a man. That, that, That God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I believe that when we read this, that God is invoking to say, You have a testimony. And you have a story, and your faith is not just you, it's for the world around you. If you notice, Moses' parents' faith
2: was for Moses. Moses' faith was
1: for Israel. Israel's faith. Was for Rahab and all the other women she had in her house and the spy. That your faith is not just for you. Yes, it is private,
2: but God wants it to be public. Faith is risky. There is great reward on earth, all eternity. Let us pray. Lord, as we talk about faith, We
1: talk so in humility, knowing that the faith we have, it is a gift from you. But Lord, you allow us to to build on that faith, to grow in that faith, that we may be people of faith. And Father, what's so beautiful and so wonderful about the body of Christ, the church, the bride, is is, is that our faith can be contagious to one another. That, that 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 we can that that, that we can as iron sharp as iron that, that our faith can sharpen each other's faith and and I, and I pray God that you would just continue to help us and raise us up to be people of faith. Help us not to be afraid to take the risks, to be mistreated, to suffer the reproach of Christ, to stand with you, because we totally trust you. For God, we are people that are expecting your word to come to pass. So help us to be people who not only have risky faith, but who exercise risky faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.